0: The Take On Duchenne podcast is dedicated to educating and raising awareness of Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy, or DMD, a rare and progressive genetic disease affecting muscle function. We bring scientific leaders in the field of DMD together to discuss and share knowledge, insights, and perspectives to support the continuous education and awareness of this disease. This series is brought to you by PTC Therapeutics a global biopharmaceutical company focused on improving patient lives who are affected by rare diseases like DMD through innovative therapies, earlier diagnosis, and improved standard of care. The information presented in this podcast is intended to be general in nature and is not medical advice. This should not replace or substitute speaking with a healthcare professional. If you are a patient or caregiver, consult your care team with any questions or concerns regarding medical conditions. In one of our previous episodes, we had the opportunity to speak with three strong women with unique challenges and experiences tied to Duchenne muscular dystrophy. To continue the conversation, I'm honored to share bonus content from my discussion with Elizabeth Floyd, who is both a mother of a child living with DMD and a carrier. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you for joining us. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yes, I'm a military spouse and a mother of four. I have four beautiful children, ages 13 to six. I am a carrier of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And my daughter, who is 12, is also a carrier of muscular dystrophy. My son was diagnosed in 2018 at the age of five. And that's when our journey with DMD began.
0: Has anyone ever spoken to you about Family planning when you're a carrier? Or is that something that you anticipate speaking to your daughter about in the future?
1: Yes. So, family planning was definitely brought up by our geneticist. And as a family, it was something that was very difficult to come to terms with, uh, you know, making sure that not only are we thinking about ourselves, but we also have to think about uh, our son and our daughter. So she is aware that, yes, she could have a child that could have some of the symptoms or have DMD, or she can pass it on as being a carrier. But we've also kept some of that a little low-key because she is only 12. But as she gets older, we will definitely make sure that she has an understanding, that she has a responsibility to herself to make sure that she does what's best for her and for her family. And if she wants a family, then making sure that she's educated and knows that she has resources available to her, but making sure that if she doesn't want to go through medical procedures, that just knowing, you know, having a child with DMD is definitely a possibility for her. And it's not the end of the world. My son is, he's a very happy young man. It's very difficult on the family, but he's very unique and he's very special and he's what makes our family unique. And I wouldn't change it other than, you know, I would love him not to have this horrible disease. Absolutely. Yeah. But I wouldn't change how it's, you know, changed us as a family.
0: Of course. Upon finding out that you were a carrier... How did that change your approach with regards to preventative medicine and self-care?
1: So, being young and athletic and running around doing, you know, whatever carefree things you know want to do, go climb a mountain, whatever, you know, doing all those things. It actually made it really frustrating to know, okay, well, now I have to change these things. But then it's also, okay, preventative medicine. What You know, what do we do? I like knowing that there's medication out there, but there's not really much to help me. I prefer to do a more natural, healthy way. As far as being more outspoken, I do feel that, like for my son, that it is a a family decision on how they go about treating this and taking care of it. But I also am a strong. I have a strong opinion on making sure that we do the best that we can.
0: How important has cardiac screening become in your day-to-day lifestyle?
1: Cardiac screening is its very important. It's incredibly frustrating to have to go and schedule these appointments and go to these things and talk to the cardiologist every you know, six months to a year. However, you're, you know, often your doctors have to tell you you have to go. But (laughs) is making sure that you actually go to these appointments and you can't skip them. So before being a mom, you know, it's, oh, I don't really have the time to go right now. So now I no longer push those appointments to the side. I make sure that I put in the time to go and I make sure that my daughter is also screened. These screenings are super important because you can stay ahead of things that may be damaging you that you cannot see. You can't always see what's going on inside your body.
0: What does it mean to live a healthy lifestyle for you and your family and to avoid some of the threats that exist because you and your daughter are a carrier?
1: So living a healthy and happy lifestyle, uh, it varies upon you know different people. But for my family, it's making sure that we are generally happy. Even though bad things happen, we still have to be happy. We still have to have that happy soul. So part of that is making sure that we actually do things that are fun. Sometimes they have to be different, but they're still fun. Adapting things to our the way our lifestyle has to be can actually be fun, and it can be a fun experience for the family. So Living the best we can, having fun, that's a big part of it. But then we also have to look at the actual medical aspect of it. Well, what do we have to look out for? Well, big one is our hearts because our hearts are a big muscle. We can't live without them. And it's very important to living. So we still eat out sometimes. We still eat takeout. You know, we still eat these things, but we can't eat them all the time but no one really should. We can't eat the way that we would always like to, you know, but it's adding fruits, vegetables, making sure that the kids are eating fruits and vegetables, making sure we're not eating too much sodium and all these fun things. We have to be a little bit more in tune with the things we're actually putting in our bodies. And that's a really big part of not just staying healthy because of Duchenne's affects our lives, but it's staying healthy and keeping us healthy. So we can do the things that we still enjoy.
0: What resources would support positive conversations with adolescent carriers, given your experience?
1: With my experience with my daughter being an adolescent, the resources that are available to her, they're not really down to her level. It's all on like medical jargon. There's nothing really relating to her and there's no real resources available to her like they are to me as an adult. So I can go on social media and I can find other families that are just like myself and my family. But my daughter can't, she doesn't have the ability to be able to go and search these things or to find these things on her own without help. And the resources that are available right now they're always related to the Duchenne patient, not the carriers. So seeing something that may be within the community that focuses more on adolescent carriers or having things that are more readily available for social media or even on uh, websites that are more aimed towards them instead of aimed towards the parent.
0: And it's great that you can advocate for young carriers. What are some ways that you are directing your daughter to care for herself, knowing that she carries this gene? Ways that perhaps you didn't care for yourself growing up because you were unaware.
1: So growing up, I was pretty hard on my body. I did major athletics and I'm paying for those now. But, you know, up until my son's diagnosis, I didn't even know that was a thing. So for my daughter, we find other activities that are less impactful on her muscles um, but things that she still enjoys to do. So she is into art and choir and things like that that keep her physically active but that keep more of her hands physically active, more than her muscles herself. But she also goes to specialists. So she does see a cardiologist and different doctors like that that also are part of our team to help her understand that she has to care for herself but as her mom, you know, I have to focus a little bit more on, well, these things are bothering you now. So we've got to do therapies and explaining those things to her and to her understanding why she needs those things. It's a little bit difficult because she sees her brother and she compares herself to a her brother thinking that she's also going to have that same downfall. And it's more of just getting her to understand that. What she feels with her body, she has to be able to advocate for herself and say that I feel these with my body and make sure that she really advocates for herself and pushes, especially if she's told that the things that she's feeling may or may not be as bad as she thinks they are.
0: We know that schools will provide support for boys with DMD. Is there support offered to your daughter who is a carrier?
1: Um. No, not really. We're able to get services for my daughter, but that's because she actually has other issues that are related to Duchenne's, but she has other diagnosis. She also has ADHD. So those things give her some of the resources that she needs that help her with some of the DMD. But we're also really dependent on our teachers and our staff at our schools, listening and understanding to us as the parent. When We tell them that, hey, these things are going on with our child, because there's no real written instructions on our daughters with DMD.
0: Has it been difficult to connect with other adolescents who are carriers? Is there a network of support for your daughter?
1: As far as I'm aware of, there's really not any support for her like that. Most of her support comes from us as her family and our outside friends. But as far as outside friends, many of those families are not aware of Duchenne like we are. As a family, I think that we've been able to push through and teach the kids um, compassion because they've been through so much. And as a family, we try to support one another. And I think that that really does reflect on my two children that are not affected.
0: How about as a carrier mom? Do you find uh, that you're able to connect with other carriers? And provide support for one another?
1: I am definitely able to find more support. Um, it is through social media, but most of it also did come from a conference that I attended. And that's where I connected with most of the moms and found these other resources. I have a really good support system. I have a lot of women in my life that. They're not carriers, and they do not have children that are affected by Duchenne, but they're wonderful women that support me, and they support my kids, and they support my husband. And having that support system is really important to being happy.
0: Elizabeth, what resources or educational programs would you love to see within the community to help spread awareness about Duchenne and genetic screening, and all that comes with this illness?
1: Honestly, I would like to see more seminars and um, conferences that focus on this in more of our smaller cities. And I know that's very difficult because we do need to get doctors together and we need all the resources to come together to do that. But there's there's not a lot of resources right now. So it makes it more difficult to even get those started, but it would be nice to see more seminars and maybe even more of the resources within our schools. Because I I do feel that sometimes our schools don't, they're not really fully aware of what they're working with either. So when it comes to resources for our families, I think that in order to reach more people, there needs to be more presence of a seminar and maybe even inviting more people, inviting people more in the community, more of our teachers and things of that nature rather than just our families.
0: What is something that brings your family joy? You know, what brings a smile to your children's faces or to your face on a Friday night, let's say?
1: (laughs) We do like being outside and outdoors. So we do, you know, run around, do bicycles, um, scooters and hang out generally as a family. But we also go, you know, we enjoy the beach. And that's been somewhere that we all find, you know, that peace and serenity. But on a Friday night, I think my kids' favorite thing to do is what we call movie night. And I get pizza, we get a movie, and I get lots and lots of junk food and punish myself for the whole weekend (laughs) by loading them up on sugar and sweets and just let them veg out in front of the TV and watch a movie together and hang out and just chill.
0: And it sounds as though these movie nights or beach nights are cathartic and that they're shared by the family. Could you speak to the importance of sharing these experiences as an entire family and not just putting all of that pressure on yourself?
1: It's really important as a family to make sure that you're enjoying everything. Part of that is making sure that you're happy as a family, finding that happy place. My happy place tends to be as a group with my family. I like hanging out in the living room with my kids, being able to talk to them, being able to hang out with them. And I like hearing about their days, even the bad stuff in their days. We still talk about it. And I like being able to have this open relationship with my kids and being able to connect with them. And let them know that, you know, we have a life. Life isn't this disease. You know, DMD does not control our life. We control it. You know, it's like, yes, things happen. Yes, we do spend time in the doctor's offices. Yes, sometimes we're in the emergency room. And when we get sick, we have to really, you know, disinfect the house and make sure that we stay healthy as much as possible, you know, making sure that we do these things. But that's not our life and that doesn't control us. We control it.
0: And going through all of this, one can only imagine it is just a, an avalanche of information, um, emotional change. How easy or difficult is it to understand what's being told to you in that moment? And, and how long do you think it took before it started to resonate in a way and started to make sense? Or does it still not make sense? At least some of it. What are your thoughts?
1: Some of it still doesn't quite make sense. It's there and I understand it, but it's not quite grasping it all the way all the time because it does change as things progress. But the avalanche of information that you talk about, I definitely felt that because you go in and you start hearing what I call the alphabet, A B C D e, F G. <laughs> and it just starts, you know, piling off and, you know, chromosome that or mutation this. And then, and it starts running into each other because it's like you have the information and then you have the, but it can do this or it can do that. And it's a lot to process. And I think that the initial shock of it all, at least a couple weeks, for just the shock of, oh my goodness, this is happening to my family, just for that to go to even be able to process the rest of it was difficult. But once that kind of, I say wore off, it really never wears off. But once that kind of calmed down in my head a little bit and it gave me the chance to really think about it, uh, it made a little bit more sense. But again, it's still a lot of information and it's still a lot of medical jargon And you kind of become this, not a doctor, but you kind of feel like you're in med school where you're (laughs) learning all of these medical terms and what they mean. And it's interesting, to say the least, because it is so much information and you're learning so much, but you're also learning to help your family. So You push to make sure you learn as much as you can so you have the most knowledge that you can have. And I'm still learning. I learn every day and I make sure that I keep learning every day because as this disease has progressed and as different scientists and different groups have looked into it more and more, it kind of changes almost on a daily basis from what we know. The information that we know now, you know, it's not what it was four years ago. Four years ago. There wasn't really the level of care that there is now. We were kind of going by the seat of our pants, just figuring it out as we went. And I think by pushing myself to get more involved has actually helped me to understand more of what's going on with myself and my kids.
0: Sure. And how does that make you feel that in a half a decade or less, there's been tremendous growth within the community, especially from an educational perspective?
1: It's honestly amazing to watch. Yes, I want it to happen faster because I want a cure for my son. I want a cure for all of our sons and all of our daughters. But it still is amazing to watch how quickly people come together to find the cure for DMD. And while I want a cure for this disease, I really enjoy the dedication that many doctors and many scientists really have and the dedication that they've put into finding a cure. I kind of felt um, alone because of the amount of information that we were getting and the amount of doctors that we were going to. It was very, it was a very lonely place, just trying to put everything together, just trying to figure everything out. But I don't want other moms to be in that lonely place. They don't have to be in that lonely place. And I feel by stepping up, that maybe someone will at least hear something that maybe helps them, maybe pushes them to go, hey, you know, this disease, this stinks, but you know what? We're going to make the best of it, and we're going to continue to make the best of it. I think that's truly important, but I think it's also important to know that as a carrier, and even as just a mom with a child with DMD, I think it's really important that we reach out and we speak up. We tend to be what feels like a forgotten group. And part of it is we are moms. So we're not necessarily forgotten, but our job is to take care of our kids and our family. That's how in my family I feel. that That's my job. And I felt like I was failing my family. And I don't want anyone else to feel that way because I wasn't. I was never failing my family. and. I just needed to take care of myself just a little bit. And as a mom, you, you kind of need to do that, but you forget about yourself. But speaking out and speaking up would be huge in getting information out, getting more carriers involved, making sure that we focus on them a little bit.
0: Absolutely. You know, voices like yours have the ability to change the lives of other mothers impacted by DMD. Thank you, Elizabeth, for sharing your experiences with us. Your journey is truly inspirational and we appreciate your time. If you enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to listen to our recent Take On Duchenne North America podcast episode, Spotlighting Women in Duchenne, where we first heard from Elizabeth and two other exceptional women with ties to Duchenne. Make sure you join us for the next episode. You can subscribe to the podcast series at ptcbio.com or your favorite podcast channel.